Oh, Miles, when I think about our our topic tonight, I get excited. I think, what kind of fool am I? Do I love this so much? Do, do I, am I going to bop till I drop? This is the rock of life. We're going to celebrate youth. Love. Love is all right tonight, Miles. Ah, but at the end of the day, I wish that I had Skanky's girl. We're talking about Nick Knight, the original pilot movie of Forever Night, today on The More You Nerd. Welcome, everybody, to The More You Nerd. Miles, how are you today? Tonight is all right. Yeah, I'm doing much better than I expected. I'm not going to lie, Drew. When we when we said that we were going to do this, I kind of. I don't I wouldn't say I was dreading it. That That's that's too, too heavy of a phrase. It's too silly to think that, that it's something to be dreaded. But I definitely wasn't necessarily looking forward to the failed pilot of forever night and part of it was uh, it, it seemed at the time and and having looked a little bit more into his career and, and and i know that rick springfield has acted i've seen him in californication supernatural so i i know that he's done tv stuff yes. but let, it kind let of us clarify we are talking about nick knight not Nick at Night, the TV network. We are talking about Nick Knight, the 1989 pilot for the TV series Forever Night, or what would yes. become the TV series Forever Night. As we're taking a break from watching the episodes, uh, we are we're diving back into the very beginnings of the whole process. And Miles, I'm sorry I, I interrupted you. Well, I just I thought it might have been like a, a vanity project. You know, I mean, I don't think Rick Springfield's a bad actor by any any means, but I never know, knew him to be you know, a, a fantastic thespian. And by this point in his singing career, you know, Jesse's girl was several years old. It didn't seem like he replicated his, I mean, he kept putting out music, but as far as the success of that, you know, Grammy award winning album, I think it won an album, the Grammy, but it was a nominated. I just didn't, I didn't expect what we got. And I, I I've been building this up because true. I, I this think movie rocked. This movie was great. How good was this? I can't believe how much I enjoyed this movie. It's it's wild. It it is almost beat for beat the plot of the original pilot, and we're going to get into that because we're we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the the plot itself in case you missed our talk about the pilot of Forever Night, because this this movie is basically that plot just extended a little bit because it's an hour and a half runtime, but it is way different in many, many other capacities. And I cannot believe how much I loved it. I am. I'm in shock from moment one. I just I looked at this and I thought, all right, this is this. OK, yeah. OK, yeah. Uh huh. Okay. All right. There, there are a couple of things that we liked more about the movie. Of course, there are some things we liked more about the show. We're gonna get into all of that, but let's jump into the plot. This is a rehash. Well, I guess this was the original version. the 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 plot of of Nick Knight and the plot of the Forever Night pilot are basically the same. Uh, someone mm -hmm. is killing homeless people in in the city in forever night it's toronto in nick night it's la because this is shot in la uh in the in this pilot movie uh and and not only are they 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 killing homeless people they're draining them of blood and of course our nick knight who is a detective that has a skin condition and only works after dark uh is in the mix of it as we go through there's also a museum guard that is killed in a, in a very similar way except instead of a slash mark on his neck he's got two little bite marks there's of course a mayan cup that's part of a pair that nick owns and a a museum curator who discovers that he's a vampire because she sees him in a history book and as it turns out hashtag skanky was right the murders are unrelated and that there is a a 
blood bank attendant who lost his mother to a bad blood donation that uh, that that was taint a tainted blood donation that is uh killing homeless people that match that blood type out of spite yeah i mean as far as the the major story beats it is the same script with some revisions made for tv and some notes that they made that i think were were better i think the first thing that we both noticed was this movie does not start with a flashback, but with them finding the actual cup, a la like The Exorcist or something. Yeah. This big find. And I thought that was a cooler way to start the movie or or a two-hour pilot. And I did appreciate, I think the lack of flashbacks kind of, it didn't feel as, as, as nailed down yeah there were no no flashbacks in this movie at all and um and consider i think that choice comes back to haunt the film in the latter half though yes because as as we determined the character of Lacroix is much less defined look i've been drinking the canned water (laughs) i i know i know but i'm just someone's gonna say it to you it may as well be me (laughs) i get a croissant (laughs) Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, go, go on, go so, on. but but the character of Lacroix is much less defined in the movie. He's intr- he, the concept of him is introduced fairly early on. We don't see him on screen until very late. Uh, the only reason I knew who it was is because they do the same. Uh, he's play. He's being the he's the, the nightcrawler. The night, did he uh, even call himself the nightcrawler? He's he doing, did. He did. OK, he's doing the the. Uh, the radio DJ thing like he did in the pilot of the show. He's communicating with Nick that way. It, it, it works, but also just the simple fact. And I liked the guy who they had play uh, LaCroix in, in the movie, who was a guy named Michael Natter Nader, uh, who is a soap opera actor primarily based on what we could tell, but he's not as interesting. Um, he's not he he's not given any depth. And I think for me, I like the TV version. I think the the TV actor has a little more a little more vampiric looking, a little more he's a little more sinister. He's got that Udo Kier vibe to him. And nothing against Nader. I don't think it is a poor job, but he doesn't have that that sinister edge that I think the character needed. And as a result, he just seems like your standard late 80s bad guy. Yes, I, I think that's true. I mean, he's got long black hair. He, you know, he's he looks like a, t- a very stereotypical just. Yeah, you said you just said it. Bad guy, thug kind of dude, mafia yeah. boss. Like he's got no voice. He has no affectation like he just talks. And what I, one thing I do like when he does talk is he doesn't call him Nick. He calls him Jean-Pierre. And I really like the idea that Nick has continued to change names as opposed to continually call himself a version of Nicholas. Yes, which the Jean-Pierre change was striking at first, but it it makes so much more sense. He's lived for 800 years. He's gone by Nick the entire time. Come on. Come on. Uh, Talk about some of the other changes, because I want to save Rick Springfield for last, because I think he's the most deserving of this. Uh, We we do not have Natalie in this movie in in her place is a Dr. Jack Bridington, uh, who is a an actor who has done uh, uh, who's played by Robert Harper, who has done a number of things uh, in L.A. in the 1980s up through up through the early 2000s. And. Oh, wow. He just passed. No, that's 2020. He passed away in January 2020. Wow. Um, Who basically serves the same purpose, a a forensic pathologist, medical doctor who is trying to help Nick with basically the same thing, trying to get him to eat food, trying to get him to to drink, uh, drink tea and and do things, do these things and not not to drink blood. The, the, the same BS cure exists in the movie version that is in the television version. Um, with, with one I, exception I, I, that I'd like, I'd love to, to bring up. But uh. yes, I, I, I will say because I even to put in my, my notes, I don't love the re, the quote unquote replacing of Nat. Uh, if I had not watched the show first, if I had not spent a season almost with Natalie. 
I, I would have no notes. I thought I thought he the the actor did a great job. I thought the character was well defined with his relationship to Nick. I just really like the the few revisions they've made with the the Natalie character. And but this isn't really a, a fault of the movie in terms no, of the action movie and, itself. And, the character is great in the context of the movie. It's fantastic, and I and and he gets to carry a certain. He's also clearly older. Uh, I mean, he's, he's obviously, older. He's got more of, he's of not, a, an aesthetic he, wit. He's not older than Nick, obviously, because he's eight hundred years old. But he reads as older uh, because the, I believe the actor is an older, older actor. But therefore, the, what he says carries a certain weight that that when Natalie says it, it doesn't. And I, that's an age thing, not a not a, any other thing. Um, but but also just that there's no. There's no sexual tension between those two characters, which is is an, another that interesting that we know of, uh, which is just another interesting change. Um, the the captain, the detective captain in this is <laughs> famous. He's a pistol. He's a pistol. <laughs> He's always worried about the mayor. He's I love the captain in season one of of Forever Night, but he, he he's just this big, gigantic dude who just looks like. You know, he's, yeah, he's he's kind of I mean, I've talked about how I kind of love his I can't tell if he's over it or he's overwhelmed and or if he's like Yoda and just just like this, just <laughs> this using calm using person. Where, but whereas the captain here is like almost a I don't think it's supposed to be a parody, but it feels like a parody of like your your lethal weapon sort of captain. Played by actor Richard Fancy. Hey, I know that face. He has been in everything. Uh, he has. He continues to work. He's. He's been on Grace and Frankie, Stuck in the Middle, NCIS, The Game, Ray Donovan, The Mentalist, General Hospital, The League. I, I think probably if I had to guess what most people that would be listening to this would know him from, he was Mr. Lipman on Seinfeld. Which I think was one of Elaine's bosses on several episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, is he is he one of Pete's bosses in the league? Is that who he is? Uh, I think he's only been in. It was only in one episode of the league. Oh, okay, he was the rabbi in in uh, in the okay in the Briss episode, I believe. <laughs> yes, I, I, I we recently we've been going through the league <laughs> in our spare time uh, again, and uh, we just recently watched the Brisk episode. <laughs> So, I mean, he's been on Star Trek. He's been on Gary Shanley, all all sorts of things. So that was one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, here's a big difference. And maybe the biggest difference so far is that this pilot had money. And maybe that's a difference between L.A. money and Toronto money, what you can get for that. But just the simply watching this show, it's. Shot on film. I mean, this is a few years difference. It was 89 versus 92. So but the the overall quality of everything in this show, sets, costumes, uh, uh, performances, especially for background characters, just all sorts of things. It's just a higher level than what they can do on the show. I, I also think. I also think that TV movies had a little bit more weight behind them back in the day. Now, when you think of a, a TV movie, it's, you know, your, your Saturday afternoon special or the Lifetime movie of the week or something like a that. Hallmark but, Christmas movies, that sort right, of thing. But, but back in the day, uh, some of these TV movies were sometimes even big deals or they had some budget behind them i i i watch a lot of uh, deep cut stuff specifically for me with the horror genre but tv movies get brought up a lot especially from the 70s and 80s and one thing that's interesting to me about this movie is that it feels like an 80s movie yes. like well it, it, it does not feel like a tv pilot to me uh, knowing that it is a tv pilot oh. Uh, I guess maybe a little bit at the end when they have the little joke as the camera pans up to the sky that feel a little TV piloty. But again, that was that was kind of what they did. They made a movie. And if they could sell the movie for a series, they do that. Right. For some cases, well, at least. Well, Forever Night does have that genre 90s flair to it. It doesn't seem to quite go all in on that, which is something that I've constantly commented on when it comes to things that I think hold the show back. This this movie absolutely has some weird quirks because it comes from a time with a fully developed like 
associated style with it. Yeah. However, I feel like this movie, I feel like Nick Knight, the film feels a lot more comfortable in its identity, sometimes a little too comfortable because the music choices throughout this film are wonderful. However, there there's a time and place for certain songs and it does not always pick the right moment for some of these jams. <laughs> so, so just to go through some of these, uh, human by the human league plays fairly prominently in the beginning which which if you know that song the tag lo- the 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 hook is like i'm only human uh, it's a it's a it's a bop uh We've got Steve Winwood in here. We've got NXS. We've got the Bobby Brown and in the weirdest moment the of the Bobby movie. Bra- that is, that is the the Golden Trophy Award for the most one. You, you hear the song and you're like, I, I know this song. I know this song. I, I couldn't remember it was Bobby Brown off the top of my head, but I knew it. I knew the song. But also, Lacroix. This is the song that Lacroix plays on the radio to Nick. <laughs> On a metal station. He literally says, metal at midnight. Here we go. And he starts playing it. And my prerogative by Bobby Brown kicks in. And then he stands up and does this pose where he's like sticking one arm up and one arm back. It's so weird. It's such a choice. And I I loved it. I loved it. I, I remember specifically messaging Drew about that moment. And man, I... I loved it. Uh, and I loved a lot about this movie. And the one one character we haven't talked about yet, the one character and actor that is in both the show and the film is, is Drew's main man, Don Skanky. The Skank Master. He is in this movie. John Capellos playing D- Detective Don Skanky. Or should I call him Slim Key? Because dude looking good. Uh, this was just a couple of years before making the TV series. And he looks about 30 pounds lighter. He looks fit. He's got and, and, and this is where he's I got a full head of hair. Well, he's got what looks to be uh, a receding hairline. Uh, you can see it, it's almost like skanky in the show is like just 10 years older, even though it was only two years later. But uh, so so skanky is a much thinner seemingly younger dude but this is the other side of that where skanky in the show dresses in like tanned suits and is heavy set and ties and all of that skanky in the movie dresses like miami vice he's got like a white jacket and, and gun like, holster gun like he hol- wears that gun holster everywhere yeah uh, the, the open shirt with the gold chain around his neck it's 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 I can see where where Skanky is in that. And so much of Skanky exists there. But we have a a like where the but the character reads slightly differently. Like Skanky in the show is, you know, he's a little more world weary. He's got more experience and all of this. And Skanky in the movie is is like he's been on the job seven years, but but he's he knows what to do. He's he's got oh. the talent. He knows the he knows his thing and he's not going to let this this punk knight uh, take all the credit. Well, Skanky in the film definitely seems to be less of a cartoon and more of a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so so he, he he's a little bit more serious. And because, yes, he he the same actor, you know, he's a little a little lighter on his feet. He's got longer hair so they can kind of pull off some of that. Um, and, and a lot of these cartoonish things about Skanky that they add to the show because he looks a little bit older in, in by the time the show is made. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem to have that kind of ball and chain attitude about his wife. Um, he seems to take the job a little bit more seriously, although he loves picking at Nick. And like like you said, he kind of treats Nick more like a kid rookie, which I think we we do find out in this episode or this this film. You know, Nick's been around for about two, two three years, three I think. years, three, three years, which which they we've also determined was also the case in the TV show. But we didn't learn that until I think later Much on. Later. But yeah. And and even the same beats. It's so funny watching the same beats that we see in the show versus the movie. Like when he's when he's making fun of Nick while Nick is in the the trunk of the car, you know, all of these things, the the car chase slash breaks cut scene is a lot more hectic it's a lot more serious does a lot more damage to to the car in general uh 
They they do have the good tendency to show two handles on the inside of Nick's trunks that he can hold down in order to keep the 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 trunk door closed. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, and that's that's <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, there, there was a lot of the same beats, but because this does have a little bit more of a bigger budget, it feels a lot more of a. Honestly, it feels a lot more like a film. It's got a clear style, and while it doesn't always stick the landing, you know. With the music, it's still it's using mainstream music. It's not using the exact same tone every single moment. It's just got a little flair to it. And and that little bit of flair goes a long way. Yeah. And it also helps that I think I think it's, it's not the last thing we have to talk about, obviously, but I think we need to talk about the name of the show. I think we need to talk about Nick because Rick Springfield absolutely knocks this out of the park he killed it i i I did not know rick springfield's acting career which is apparently pretty pretty extensive he's done a ton of a ton of soap opera work he's like i knew him as the jesse's girl guy i knew him you know as the singer also he's australian which i did not know uh which makes some of his performance more impressive but uh but no he he gets the darkness of the character like i i I love nick on the show uh davy great when davies who plays him on the show does a great job i love that that character but he plays him a little more there's an edge to him like an actual edge to yeah, like like to like Nick. Davies nails the the kind of jokey TV side of things like I don't see Rick Springfield working in the TV version of of no, Forever Night no. that we got because I think he's too serious. I think I think he can do some of the jokey stuff, but there's a subtlety to his performance that that there's it's 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 hard to nail down exactly what i'm talking about and and so much of it is just based around just that that he seems to get it he he treats he treats it seriously he treats it like it would be very easy to make a joke out of this whole thing well i think i think you hit the nail on the head when you said he seems to get it he doesn't we don't have a 10 minute montage segment of this nick brooding in fact i don't think we'd get that at all in this in this version and but the character seems to have a dark weight about him. And they've also made some or they made some changes from the TV show to from the movie. That makes sense when you're thinking about a TV show and, and you have flashbacks and you have to go back and tell these other stories. But in in the film, he talks about how LaCroix hunches, hunts, hunts him down like once or twice every century and it's this constant game so that we know now and in terms of the movie's timeline nick has been trying to shake off this vampirism for much longer than we are at least implied in the show and in the show we get a little bit of that you know we know by by the middle of the season we know he's a conscience but like it still seems to happen around the turn of the 19th century yeah because he's still with lacroix in World War One, I, I think is when that's supposed to be right. And well, let's let's not even get in the timelines because he was also trying to escape them in 1900 San Francisco. But, but what but what this version does establish is that Nick has basically been on on the not the run, but has have tried to do his own thing for a very, very long time. And I like that it establishes that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Springfield just he has this this weight that he brings with his performance and doesn't have to show off this tortured soul vampire through brooding, but through the way he acts. Everything seems to be a little bit more serious. Um, although I will say I did not like the uh, the equating blood with kind of an alcohol addiction type of thing yeah, that they do. That's that's. It didn't land to me, but it wasn't because of his performance, because I think uh, Springfield played it straight. He looked like a guy that was strung out. And with the added kind of vampy sweatiness that he had, it played well. But that just that narrative did not land for me at all. I, that That's something that I think they they figured out a better balance of between the, the, the movie and the pilot. Um, the other side of that is I just think Nick's whole aesthetic is cooler, like. 
he wears a leather jacket, but it's not like a big leather jacket. He no, it's cool. It's a cool leather jacket. He Nick in the TV show lives in a warehouse out in the in in the sticks that has all this cool stuff in it. Nick in the movie lives in an abandoned movie theater that has it's a wonderful life on the marquee. <laughs> and, and it, it looks like he kind of has like a bat cave thing going on at first because but then it's like, oh, no, he just has cameras so he can watch the sunrise, which is like, it, like a bunch of TVs like le- lined up to, like, to do the yeah, sunrise like, on TV. Like 12 of them. At first, I thought it was like, oh, he's keeping tabs on crime during the day. And I was getting really excited. This is this is some Batman stuff. <laughs> But no, it's it's just to watch the sunrise, which looked like the sunrise, the same sunrise every time we saw it. So I wonder if it was the same footage or not. It might have been. Uh, He also apparently microwaves blood, which seems to not be the correct way to warm up your meal. Well, that I feel like that would make the blood go bad. I feel like you would have to like you know, put it in something and warm it up like people used to do with a baby's bottle or something. I feel like a, a microwaving would cause it to congeal or something well what's funny to me is that he takes the bottle and he rips the cork out with his teeth and spits the cork out much like nick on the tv show does so that's definitely the creator having that little (laughs) that little there's that that similar creative dna between the two things but just the fact that it heats the blood up at all is interesting because that's not a thing at all in the show Um, but it would become a thing that we see in later vampire shows i think Either Spike or Angel does it on Buffy. It, it happens all the time. Oh, they do all sorts of little gags, the blood on Buffy. Yeah, they do They do it all the time on True Blood. I think uh, that may just be the True Blood product itself that does that. Uh, so that's certainly not a new. Well, it may have been new here, but it's it's something that we have seen since this movie came out. Um, The only note was we all, I think we only see the Raven once. And the only note I, I, I made I'm sorry, this actress, but I just said movie Jeanette sucks. It's, she I'm sorry. Does, she does it. It's just that she she's she doesn't serve that much of a purpose in, in, she the, in the movie. And in the show, she has zero chemistry with Nick in the show. You know, she she doesn't have an accent, uh, obviously, where she does in the well, sometimes in the TV show, sometimes she does in the TV show, but that's a whole other TV show conversation. But uh, she's just there to introduce the other vampire side of things and that's something i actually think they do do better in the show mostly because mostly because of the flashbacks we see jeanette in flashbacks too before we meet her in the present day toronto and this time it just looked like he was going to this place and he gives a wedgie to a to a bouncer until you realize that Jeanette is a vampire you can that see he knows. the wires on the bouncer in that scene. <laughs> but, <laughs> Which but, is uh, great. But also, but again, there's another side of that coin that the Raven has never looked cooler. It looks like a cool goth club in L.A. instead of a bar with some black streamers around it. Like, uh, it's yeah it's of a bar set no it looks like they've actually filmed the club it was a very cool looking club there was a lot i liked about that i would have liked to have seen the show from that perspective if that makes any sense like i know that they couldn't spend too much time with jeanette or the raven and and, and that's that's fine because they're telling multiple stories which I, I I think I said this in the pilot when we when we watched it back in September. I I do think the mixing of these two stories is still a little messy. I I feel like when I'm watching them both, like when we get into the actual case, which is what takes up most of the second episode with the the actual killer that's that's um, hunting down homeless people. I I still feel like that that whole part is a little messy. It it is, but I think, and again, I feel like maybe like there, are, the introduction of that element to the show I think is better because I think it's it's a version two point of that script. They think they they intro- yes. they they keep that the secondary plot more like. We in the movie, we get sidetracked by whatever Nick thinks like, oh, it's a bunch of dead people with all the blood sucked out of them. It's a vampire. It's of course, it's a vampire. It's LaCroix. We got to figure out what LaCroix is doing. And LaCroix, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm sorry. I know it's it's a stupid canned water. But 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 that's but the other side of that is Skanky plays a role in the movie. 
but they definitely upped his screen time in the in mm-hmm. the pilot for the show. And because yes. of that, and because of him it looking into the other side of the case, it keeps that other half of the story more relevant. Like it, it, this really feels like, oh, well, we wrapped up this vampire stuff. Oh, but there's still a mystery. But you got it already, Skanky. Good job doing all that off camera. Yeah, I just... <sighs> I, I, I would have liked a little more fleshing out. I get and it's a TV movie. You only have X amount of time. Whereas with two full episodes, you might have had a little bit more actual because we, we, we know the actual screen time they had. So they had more actual time. To That's tell true. This. That's true. And. I mean, again, I think for the movie, for the for this script, they, they did a bang up job. I I think the homeless murders played better for me in the show because the homeless people had a little bit more time with Nick specifically. I I agree with that on one hand, but I also prefer that they cast two jolly old homeless people instead of Nicole DeBoer. Well, um, I think I think having the younger people in the 90s made sense at a time because that for what for whatever reason, um, I know there's probably a sociological reason for it. There was a lot more stories about teenage runaways and homeless runaways in That's the true. early nineties. Yeah. yeah. Um, I specifically one remember one will that started very young Will Smith called where the day takes you hmm. uh, with Ricky Lake. And so I think that that's one of the main reasons, but I, I also specifically mean like, I feel like those characters had more to do with Nick as opposed that they, the movie establishes that, Nick knows them and that's about it. I, I like that the show had a Nick had a couple more scenes and had a couple more moments where it's like, no, these people are very important to me. Yes. But I, um, but again, I also like that they had again, this is a budget thing. There were more homeless people. It wasn't just the two of them that it, it also makes sense that one of them is brutally attacked because they are an old drunk. Yeah. And so that one makes a little bit more sense, although he still goes back to try to kill um, the the older woman. Well, because she's a witness at that point. Yeah. Uh, and, and that that whole scene is is pretty funny because, you know, the 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 museum doctor is the exact same character. Yeah. I, I so, think. Well, there's a there's one little change to her that I found very, very interesting, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Because. So so we have uh, uh, Dr. Alice Hunter, this time played by Laura Johnson, who is an actress who's been in a ton of stuff, um, a lot of soap opera stuff, a lot of other things, a lot of just not, nothing that stood out to me as something that I could say she's from this. But uh, a lot of like she was on Falcon Crest in the 80s. She's in a heartbeat like there's a bunch of a bunch of stuff. But anyway. They make the choice to make her a total junk food person. Did you notice this? Yeah. Like when she's. Now that you mentioned it, yeah. She sits down, like she works. She, like Nick, is obsessed with her work, although she's not a vampire. Um, She's obsessed with her work. She she goes in late and she works all night just chowing down on ice cream and chips and candies and chocolates while she's handling like these old textbooks and things like and she literally pulls out this gigantic old textbook that I knew she was going to see the picture of Nick in because that's exactly what happens in the TV pilot. Uh, But and she opens the page and she takes this big, gigantic, melty scoop of ice cream and it drips and she catches it and flops it back in and does it and like wipes her hand on her on her pants. It's like this is this is art, art, like I, she's not a very good archaeologist. She could contaminate <laughs> specimens. She could it just doesn't seem. Yeah, seems weird to me. Yeah. Um, and, and the chemistry that she has with Nick is about the same in the show. It's, you know, she finds him attractive and irresistible even though it's weird that he ends up in where he is half the time and every everything else about the movie kind of plays out uh, the, the one big difference in terms of the finale is that she doesn't get turned into a vampire that we see at least sure if this had been turned into a show she may have popped back but in terms of the movie she did um 
And I also like uh, that this movie does feel like an episode in that it ends with a very skanky ending <laughs> with yeah, uh, talking that, about the my, third cousin with fixing the car. Except <laughs> except it's from a very, you know, very California location. I think it's Van Nuys. He says that is his cousin's from. <laughs> it's like. So, yeah, there's so much about this movie that works, and I'm trying to figure out. Outside of Rick Springfield, why it works so well for me, because it seems to just be a lot of little things that add up, because as I've said throughout this, uh, the two months that we've been covering Forever Night, um, it's gonna be wild when we get back into the regular. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Run of things. Um, I, I like Davies as Nick. I like the show a lot. But for whatever reason, everything about this presentation of the very same story felt super fresh to me. And and yes, I would have liked a couple of flashback scenes to help flesh out LaCroix, because I think that is one very important thing that the movie does get wrong. And yes, the movie does have some hilarious uh, musical cues, although the songs are awesome, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and. Rick Springfield is absolutely awesome as Nick. I think he plays the character less like a late night show and more like a primetime movie. And I think that's the big difference. Not that Davies does this on purpose. It's just the way that show kind of is. Whereas I think Springfield just really gave it his all. Like, I can't get over how good he was at being Nick Knight. It's it's like it. You kind of have to go and, and watch it and see like. It's just such a subtle, real performance, and I can't. I never would have thought I never would have thought that this would be the case. Yeah, the I case. Mean, we both kind of Yeah, we're going to watch this movie, I guess. <laughs> I, I started it. I started it and I and I, I, I messaged Miles like, huh, I'm just going to take a look at the first uh, first couple of minutes of this. Just see, see what it, what what this is like. And then. Two hours later, I finished the movie. I couldn't turn away from it. It was just engaging and interesting and fun in a way that I can't say that the pilot movie was. It's. I I think that the pilot movie was still very fun because I hadn't seen this. So and I, I, I'm guessing a lot of people didn't either, because, you know, this this is a failed pilot, which blows my mind. I feel like. The stuff that the show does well, it does because it's an it doesn't it uh, delivers this story episodically and it's allowed to stretch some things out. Whereas this thing delivered as a TV movie tries to contain everything, and so I feel like the the pilot of the show definitely had some padding. You know, it has it two episodes of almost fifty minutes long each. It had a little bit more time, but to be perfectly honest, I mean, look, we both went into this, you know, this isn't on YouTube like the rest of Forever Night. We had to we had to pay actual money to see this movie. And Five whole dollars. I was I, I don't know why I was a little little salty about that. We paid for many things to to do this show, but for whatever reason, I was like, I'm about to pay. I paid two ninety nine. I rented it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't buy it. Um, but I, 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 I needed to, to know if I had to watch it twice. <laughs> I I paid. I paid real real currency, and I was I was getting a little little hot about it. And as soon as the movie starts, I was like, man, this is money well spent. I wish I I would have to hunt down this DVD because this <laughs> is great. It's, again, it's it's so wild that we have this perspective and. Well, and, and the weird thing is, I know that we are very, very surprised and we're very positive about this. And I feel like the way we're coming off, and this is why I've tried to veer away from this a little bit, makes it sound like that we're not having fun with the show because we are. Oh, 100%. And I, I very much like the show. But some of the problems that I have had with the show are solved by the movie, but the movie doesn't solve all the problems that that script had. So a lot of the flaws in that script are still there, but some of the problems that I had, and I mean, look, there's some goofy parts when, when Nick hunts, uh, there's this random scene <laughs> where they're called in 
because a guy hopped up on something has a has a, a Uzi. Crack. I believe it was crack. Was they crack? said yes. Um, it was L.A. in the late '80s. It was crack. It must. It must have been. Um, but we get this excuse for Nick to get shut up and vamp out, and it is so. It is as extra as I want it to be. It's so weird, and like it's at this night pool where there's people swimming and. And there's this one and there's this one dude who's like, (laughs) Knight, you sure you're going to do this? He's got an Uzi pointed at the door. You're going to get killed. It's like, what do you want to go? It's like, yeah, I'm going to get a promotion next week and runs in and gets shot immediately. Immediately. It's great. I also I will say, and again, this is a a big difference between a singular budget and a, a TV budget. But the vamp makeup and the vamp effects look so good in this movie they do but i prefer i actually prefer the style of the tv show i i don't disagree i i do like when he does his little yellow eyes the yellow eyes make it like uh, i also i have this weird thing about vampires where if the teeth are in the wrong place i don't like it and you know like yeah like you're incisors the, the, the you get your four front teeth and you get your incisors that's where the vampire teeth should be but in in this and in a few other things that bother me that i complain about it's the 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 teeth just over and it just it doesn't yes. look right it doesn't look right to me they should it, be the well, incisors it looks, like, it looks like the wax teeth you get at halloween yeah so i don't like the placement of the teeth and the vamp effects i don't think i think the vamp effects like they're not quite lost boys buffy vampires but they're also not as cool to me i don't know i i like that they look a little different i love when lacroix has his big death scene i think that looks pretty cool the (laughs) way that one went with the the fake head that melts yeah i love it i love it i love it Uh, i'm all about that extraness and uh, i i will also say if you if you listen in real close where headphones when they're doing any flying scenes with vampires there's definitely a flap sound as if they're flapping their arms which is the weirdest thing that and they're like (sighs) (laughs) and it doesn't matter who it's supposed to be because sometimes it's supposed to be nick but you just get that and it's really weird but yeah the flapping is also a choice because uh, it's the first thing that you're greeted to in the movie is 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 i think after the the discovery of the the cup it hits to la and you just have this big long title card sequence of someone just breathing super heavily flapping around flap, la flap 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 and it's it's it's, it's a little distracting it, it, I'm, it, I'm not i'm not gonna lie <laughs> so so yes and, and again i we we've talked a little bit about this the tv show i i love natalie i like natalie uh, the doc in this is great but i love the dynamic that that natalie and nick have i think it's a it's it's more fun i think that skanky as a different take works just as well for me yeah i i like skanky in either ca- capacity here uh Mostly because, again, and this is something that the TV show lands on, too, after spending the entire movie, you know, giving Nick a hard time about things. It turns out that Skanky was right. It is the blood. The blood types have something to do with it. It's 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 something else that is that is what's happening here, that it's not a crazy vampire. It is, in fact, something related to the specific blood type. And uh I don't know. That still works for me very well. His take on things is is it's it's as fun, but in a different way. You know, it's not quite so jokey, but he's definitely like a bit more. He's as much comic relief as this movie gets, I'll say. And I I think that I, I I. He has a little bit less of that. I'm going to be the the offensive middle aged white male character. He's he's much more of he's got a little bit of that rough around the edges and he's got a little bit of that kind of used car salesman uh, whiff that Skanky has in full force in the show, but only enough to to be entertaining. It's not again, he's he's a character, but he's not a cartoon. 
And I feel like that's the big difference between skanky of the movie and skanky of the show. And the one other note I, I, I made, and it's when the, the guy that works at the hospital goes to, to Nick's warehouse because he knows that the, the homeless woman that he failed to kill is there. When Alice opens the door and he punches her, she goes flying. <laughs> like kung fu movie flying across. Like he has no special powers. He is not a vampire. He just decks this poor woman and she just soars. And I have to say, it does break that moment a bit because it is hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I had, I had, I mean, the, the cool thing about this movie is it's everything you want it to be because it has some of that genre cheesiness that the show has. It has it in a different way. It's got a little bit more of a, a budget, a couple more bells and whistles in its soundtrack. They have more than one song, which is a big, big difference. Um, but to say one thing is better than the other is, is difficult because there's things that I, I prefer that the show does. But I mean, going in, like I said, we did with a little trepidation and I guess we're going to do this. I was legit blown away. I thought I've said this, you know, numerous times in this episode, but just Rick Springfield delivered a compelling vampire performance when I expected. A bad music video performance. Yeah, 100 percent. If you are a Forever Night fan and you have never made the time to watch this. I think you need to see it. I think it deserves to be seen. It is worth three to five bucks to see. I doubt it'll ever be streaming anywhere, but it was a CBS should be. It was a CBS (laughs) TV production. So maybe Paramount Plus. We'll see in in a few months when that service comes out. But uh, Uh, in a few weeks. March is when that happens. So I guess it is a few weeks, but also a few months. March March 4th. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) I I think that about wraps up our conversation on Nick Knight, the the pilot movie that that could man. (laughs) Yeah, I knew that I knew this would be a fairly quick episode because, I mean, outside of some the differences and just how excited we were about how really good this pilot fail pilot is. You know, we'd already gone through the. The, po- the plot, the plot. I mean, the, the plot show. is is almost beat for beat, exactly the same. It, it, it exactly there, is. There Outside is, of the, oh. there is one change that we did not talk about, Miles, because mm-hmm. this is L.A. and not Toronto. What was popular in L.A. in the late nineteen eighties and, and beyond? Tanning beds. I forgot about the tanning bed. The the um, one of the this is how we meet Nick, isn't it? Our introduction to Nick is him having a panic attack in a tanning bed <laughs> as he tries to get used to to the sunlight and these two uh, these two tanning bed attendants are like one is like he's cute and the other's like he's weird. He comes in four times a week and doesn't even have a tan. <laughs> it's it. But at the same time, she says that after he leaves, they're still fawning over him as as he's there. And I, yeah, I did. I did find that to be kind of funny, but also like in terms of things you're going to test out, maybe the sun rays isn't one of them. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that shouldn't be like number one. Maybe let's like, let's get down solid food first. Like <laughs> and then later, how's your tan coming? I'm up to 10 minutes. Oh, macho man. <laughs> Was- no, there's, there's there's some really good moments. I I think they do a good job balancing the cop and the the vampire stuff. I also like because we get a timeline and we get some sort of idea about Nick. We also know that he's kind of like Nick of the show seems to have a background. And of course, in the show, we're given like he's had a million different kind of jobs and doctorates and all this other stuff. And so it makes sense for him to be a very good cop. And in the pilot, for Nick not to be as great of a detective, it makes sense. Like, while he has years and years and years of human experience, he's still... He didn't have that much experience as a cop. 
as a detective. Yeah, exactly. And so also, I, and also, how did he get to become a detective without being a cop? We first? we still don't know how. All we know <laughs> is through some hacking, he is at least in the system from the show. The movie does not answer this question either, and it. I don't know if the show gets into it. It's one of my burning questions. Like I thought we'd get to it when we had the introduction of how Nick and Natalie met for the first time. Nope. But knowing that he's been doing this specific job for two years, three years, it it also makes sense why he isn't just this awesome, badass, super vampire cop. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think in terms of the, giving the, us oh, a little bit of that, that fact, information, the only way he gets away with with catching that one guy is because he was the only one in the room. And the dude who proclaimed that a vampire threw him into some power lines was whacked out on crack. So no one believed his story. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean. Nick being bad at being a vampire and being a human is consistent through the movie and the TV show. Um, so that's just a that is just a character trait of of Nick Knight himself. Uh, but I mean, I've been having a blast through Forever Night. I had a great time with Nick Knight, uh, despite that name being super silly. And despite that being a super silly title, which might have been the reason it didn't do so well, because I am I am shocked that, that this this pilot did not take off. I really am. It, I, I think if I had to guess, it was CBS they were trying to sell it to. I want to say that maybe it was just too niche See, and too... The show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, it just it doesn't make sense. Like, it, CBS is the one that, that at least aired the first season. After the first season, it's, you know, listen to our, our, deep, our, our, our first episode to get the history of Forever Night. <laughs> Um, because I've forgotten it. <laughs> well, with that said, let us end our discussion on Nick Knight and focus on what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, we return to our discussions of season one of Forever Night with three episodes. Episode 17, Unreality TV. Episode 18, Feeding the Beast. And episode 19, If Looks Could Kill. Yeah, judging by the descriptions of the the summaries for these episodes, I am really, really excited about these three. I think Unreality TV is one that we've been both looking forward to for a while since we heard about the concept of that one. So I am I am pretty, pretty pumped. <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting stuff coming up in the next couple of episodes as we wrap up the first season. Uh, but that is going to wrap up this episode. Uh, Miles, where can people find us? So if you want to tweet at us, you can log on to Twitter at the more you nerd. You can email us at the more you nerd at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook at the more you nerd. With that, so until next time, we're going to end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd. out out. We never timed that right. <laughs>